0: Welcome friends, Laskov here, and it's time for the newest episode of Basically a Podcast with Jaggerus. Hello, what up? <laughs> and so, the format we're going here, of course, is we're going to, I want to talk with a bunch of content creators, of different forms, and first it's going to be with my friends, because that's going to go the most smoothly. <laughs> so, uh, first off is just introducing yourself and just how you got into content creation.
1: Ah. Uh-huh. So, hi, my name is, is Jaggerus I'm also known as Francesca uh, on the Killer Bits channel. And then Jaggerus is on my personal channel. Um, how do I get into content creation? Oh, this is such an embarrassing question. <laughs> basically, when I was 15, I played a lot of RuneScape. And um, uh, my boyfriend at the time started making RuneScape music videos. So, like, basically you would, like, you play RuneScape and you type the lyrics in, like, the chat and then you'd, like, record yourself in different situations and then over edit them all together it was it was actually hilarious um So you'd over edit them all together Mm -hmm. and then you'd upload them and they're basically just music videos but where uh instead of it being an actual music video it was runescape and that was basically the first kind of content that that i made um and that's the, the basically what got me into video editing as as like a hobby and uh they did they actually did pretty well you know i wasn't you know be famous or anything but like i got a few thousand views on them this and is. then uh basically i went to university and uh graduated i went to do a master's degree in falmouth where i was like trying to uh kind of get to know what the place would be like before i got there so I, I joined the facebook page for their video game society um because i wanted to kind of you know make some friends because you know when you move to a new university uh especially if you're a postgrad it's maybe a little bit harder and John from the Killer Bits, who was on one of your earlier podcasts, he basically posted saying they were looking for someone to be a presenter on their YouTube channel, which was the Killer Bits. Uh, so I was like, you know what, that could be fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I've done some video editing in the past; I really enjoy it. Um, and I've kind of, I've always been kind of interested in in, in YouTube as a kind of a something to do as a, as a content creator rather than as a uh, as a viewer um so then i replied to that basically and it was really funny because they wanted you to make like a short video basically like a review of a game that you liked or something hmm. and i for some reason at the time was playing loads of animal crossing on the ds on the 3ds so i was like right we're gonna do animal crossing but we're not actually gonna review it properly we're gonna kind of make fun of the game because you're the <laughs> mayor so we're gonna make out like it's some sort of dictatorship Ooh. where like you know you can control everyone and and you're kind of like the the kind of leader and so i was like right let's do this but then i so dumb basically <laughs> um Jagerman, who's my my boyfriend we've been together like four years uh, i was i was staying at his place at the time and he had this korean flag and i was like this is perfect i'll put this in the background you know because i'm like the dictator <laughs> except that it was a south <laughs> korean flag it wasn't a north korean flag so i was just like well this like oh. i realized after the fact i was like this is completely embarrassing like that i'm, I'm basically even better I don't. I don't. <laughs> and like, I tried to. I remember trying to film my 3DS by like balancing my camera on top of like a stack of books so I could film the screen. Like, oh my god, it was it was the most like oh ghetto god. video. But like, obviously, it still kind of showed my personality. So then, well, wow. uh, I did like a Skype interview with them because I wasn't in Falmouth at the time. And then uh, that was basically how I got involved with the Killer Bits, which then was like a gateway because I then been I've been working with them for probably four years now. It's been quite a while. Um, and then recently when Gwent came out, um, I wanted to branch out and also do my own, like, just my own kind of gwent focus channel. Um, so something that was just like a kind of pet project, and that's been kind of picking up in the last five months. And so now here I am today, basically, making very terrible jokes about South Korea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds hilarious, though. Like, she got the flag wrong.
1: Yeah, it was... Well, now I know. Now I know the difference. That's, the white one funny. is the South Korea flag, and the red and blue one is the North Korea flag. In case you were wondering...
0: Uh, are you sure? Are you I'm sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm okay. pretty sure. Okay. And of course, I forgot to mention, uh, no cams, so this is my favorite picture I've seen of Jag. It's the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, girls gotta do... You gotta do duck face on the internet. If I know one thing, that is that
0: is definitely how you pose for a photo. Uh, this, this is the best picture that, that cracks me up every time i look at it so since we were talking about gwent and the past just happened you're the right person to talk to about it i i do have some thoughts so i'm wondering what your main thoughts are i did watch your patch notes video on it though
1: yeah so cdpr well first and foremost i wouldn't call it a hot fix they called it a hot fix
0: yeah I don't and then know. i
1: think they changed like 40 cars or something ridiculous like hotfix to me is like, you know, if you have one or two problematic cards or well, there's a big game-breaking bug, we're going to fix it. But to me, this is definitely a patch. Yeah. Um, but I honestly think it's it's been really good. I think for me as a content creator, I like patches anyway because it refreshes the game. And with card games, you get generally quite a stale meta um, quite quickly. Because yeah. especially with Gwent, where you play basically in Gwent, you draw your cards and then you play one card per turn. And you don't really draw that many cards during the game. So, in some ways, a lot of your turn order is already decided by, based on what you have in your hand. Like you've got yeah. a kind of a, a basic strategy. It's not like something like, you know, Hearthstone or something where you have to kind of think on your feet depending on what you draw. You can already strategize from seeing your first hand. So I think it, it's quite quick to start to optimize decks. Um, but I think this patch on the whole, I really enjoy it. Uh, I think like it's shaken up the, the meta in terms of the top tier decks. Previously, you know, a lot of people were just playing a lot of Skeliger. Um, I think they they looked into it and skelligan and Monsters made up like 75% of the rank uh, matches that were happening, the rank decks that were being played. So it wasn't particularly fun. So this this has been quite refreshing. You know, now we can see factions like Nilfgaard are starting to do better. Squirtail's been buffed. Northern Realms has been buffed. Um, so I'm happy about that. They've changed the rank system um, to try and make it easier to climb. But I think the problem with this is now, I think up until about, 3,000 MMR, which is you know decently ranked up until about 3,000 MMR, maybe a little higher than that. You basically get more rank points for winning than you do for losing, which means you can climb even if you have a win rate that's lower than 50. Which I don't agree with. I don't think you should be yeah. able to climb particularly high with that. Like I think, I think ultimately your win rate should be based on you know playing against opponents of similar skill. And if you happen to be better than them, beating them, and that's how you climb until you yeah. get to where you're supposed to be. But now it seems like. With enough time, anyone can get to, you know, a, a pr- relatively high MMR, um, which I think is good because then lots of people get ranked and it's an incentive to play ranked. And it means it that you don't have to grind all of your time into ranked because that was something that a lot of people were complaining about was like it's really it, it had been really hard to climb to the fact point where, you know, if you didn't have a lot of time, even if you were a very skilled player, you wouldn't be able to climb as well. I know, I know I had that problem because, you know, I'm a very busy person. So I, I wasn't didn't have the time to sit for hours and just play ranked, you know, constantly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I wasn't motivated to do it in the last patch, obviously, because it was a very still meta. So I'm not entirely sure about that change, but I think that the rank system is something that they're kind of they're trying to balance it and they're trying to figure out exactly, you know, how they want it and and how, you know, easy versus difficult they want to make it to climb. And I understand that this is something that you you want to incentivize players and you want players to feel like you know ranked is a chore. That's obviously not something that you want. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I mean, what do you think?
0: Well, as far as ranked goes, like uh, playing ranked in so many different games, it's really weird to figure out what is the thing that people are going to like about it, or or it just doesn't feel like a grind. But at the end of the day, ranked is a grind. It's a ladder. <laughs> it it really is a, just climbing and falling. But What I hear, just if you put more time into it because you earn more from wins and losses, it sounds weird to not just have things weighed evenly for loss and defeat. Because that was a problem I had with, like, um, like Smite back in the day. One of their rank styles was uh, you couldn't fall below a certain point, so all you had to do was just grind up and just sit in a way. Or just climbing up. I don't know. There's never been, like, the perfect ladder.
1: No, I think it's... It's something that, like, is really hard to do. And I, I do think, like, CD Project Red, they're they're just trying to figure it out and they're trying to kind of get it right. Um, I don't know if I'm completely sold on their current system, but I, I do think there were problems with, like, you know, how quick it was to to rank. For example, I, I think I won 14 matches in a row uh, at one point and I got the same MMR for every single match. And I feel like, you know, if you're winning that many matches consecutively, there should be some kind of buffer to boost you a bit quicker. Yeah. It felt like, you know, I was I was just climbing at a fixed rate regardless of of how much I was winning. Hmm. Um so that was something that I felt could could have been changed because you know, I think if you're winning 14 straight matches, <laughs> you're probably at too low of an MMR uh, yeah. than you should be. But we'll see, we'll see how the the kind of new system uh kind of works out. And ultimately, like in terms of the card changes, I think the vast majority of them were were fair. I don't I don't feel like they did anything, you know, hugely game breaking or hugely like you know heavy handed i think when it comes to nerfing cards cdpr tries to be relatively fair um and tries to you know not go in with a sledgehammer and be like well this is overperforming nerf it into the ground
0: well i know there's one specific card though and that's a mirth the the golden <laughs> dragon
1: Our Villain villain Mirth, yeah there you go i think i think that was a case of them trying to make the new player experience better And I feel like Villain, Tress, and Murph, So previously what this card did was you'd play it. And after, it's a gold card. And gold cards, there's very few cards that you can use to interact with them. They're designed to be quite like um, hard to interact with because you could only have a few of them in your deck. But Basically after three turns, what he would do is he would destroy the strongest point unit on the board, either on your side or on my side, depending on where it was. And then the second highest. And if there was a tie, let's say there were like four 10 strength units and they were the strongest, he would burn all four. And then maybe like an eight strength unit, for example. So so there was a lot of kind of nuance in terms of, of what he could burn um, and how you could play him. But the thing is, new players kind of, they'd, they'd hover over him and they wouldn't really understand what he did. And then, you know, three turns later, all this stuff would get destroyed. And I think they'd feel like, you know, how can I counter this? And the way you counter it is you run a bronze card uh, called of Shackles. And that basically, you can use that to lock a card, which stops its effect from happening. And you could play that one on gold cards and basically it demotes them and locks them so that their effect doesn't happen um but i guess they they felt that you know this this card was kind of stopping people from enjoying the game and and that sort of thing so they basically changed it so they gave him more strength on his card that you play down um strength is how you win the game but he now only burns one card however there's also a silver card called scorch and scorch Basically, you play and it destroys the highest unit on the board. So it has the same effect as as uh, Villain and Mirth, but it's not a unit, so it has no points attached. And it's a silver card. Um, and you can basically run four so, uh, four gold cards and six silver cards. So to me, I'm not really sure how often you're going to be running Villain and Mirth um, versus Scorch. Like, why would I take up a gold car- card slot when I can run Scorch? Unless you needed to run both. Like, unless you're going, like, super-duper burn deck, which I can understand then that's the situation where I think you would see play. Because then you're you're just trying to destroy everything if you're playing con- a very very control heavy deck style. But yeah. personally, I didn't feel like he was that much of a problematic card. I think it was one of the cards you did just had to learn to play around. But that's kind of part of being a new player is learning about about cards and different strategies. And I don't think I don't think the the strategy to you know defeat him was that difficult. You tech in a, a Dimmer Team Shackles, for example. But Dimmer Team Shackles is you know useful in a lot of situations. It's basically like a silence. So. It's not like if you didn't if they weren't running Villain Tread and Mirth, you wouldn't get any value out of this card. So for me, I'm not I wasn't entirely like sold on that change. I think I think he wasn't as problematic as maybe CD Project Red thought he was. Um, but at the same time, I can understand that ultimately you get one first impression. And if you want people to stick around <laughs> with your game, you know, having a, a fairly decent new player experience is important. Um and and, you know nerfing anti-fun cards. I think anti-fun cards are something that, you know, uh, card game developers have to deal with a lot. So I think it, it's fair that they wanted to nerf it, even though I don't agree that it needed a nerf.
0: Well, my thoughts on it is I've only run into it once in, like, maybe, like, 50 or 60 matches. And that was all I needed to go, like, I don't like that card at all. But, like, I get, it's a double Scorch. Essentially, that's what it is. It's a double Scorch. And I was like, "Well, I don't like this card." But the realization is, if you just have a bunch, if you do like a flood of small cards, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's if you do like a heavy build kind of deck. And that's the thing I like about Gwent is there's so many different strategies you can do, and just so many different counters and counter counters. And there's a lot of strategies in Gwent that I like. Like I'm still new enough at it that I see a lot of different possibilities, and I haven't run into just fighting the same thing over and over again. I've been running into quite a variety. The one thing I'm running into way too much is Northern Realms. And I saw you do the 37 deck, this 37 card deck, and I've seen things similar to that. And I keep running into that more than anything else lately. And so I'm not a fan of Northern Realms right now.
1: Oh, I can understand that. The 37 card deck is so bizarre. It's it's a really fun deck because, so ultimately in Gwent, you can make a deck between 25 and 40 cards, uh, but you only get four cards. Golds and six silvers, like I said, which are generally more powerful cards. So typically you run a 25 card deck because that means that your chances of drawing your silver and gold cards is inflated. Now, what the 37 card deck does is it's just like, yeah, we're not gonna do that. And basically you just play a bunch of cards that play other cards. So although you have like a huge deck, there's a lot of deck thinning involved, and there's a lot of synergies within those cards. And to be honest, you can get an awful lot of power out of your bronze cards just by doing that. Yeah. Um, but the risk in that deck is that you basically make a lot of units that you have the same strength. So you end up with a lot of kind of, you know, fives or sixes. Um, and there's certain cards that are very, you know, good against that. Like there's one called Yennefer Conjurer. And what she does is each turn she damages the strongest unit on the board. Now, if there's two units that have the same strength, she damages both of them. Mm -hmm. So she's basically slowly, but surely whittling down the top, uh, the, the top strength on your opponent's side. And the longer the round goes on, obviously the more damage she does. And the Northern Realm's deck typically has a very long first round because that's kind of part of the strategy in it. Yeah. So then the longer you have that, if they play Yennefer Conjurer, she's basically just zapping your cards constantly. And once she gets them all down to the similar level, if you have like eight sixes, she's going to zap all eight of them. And that's basically eight damage in one turn, which is, you know, uh, on top of whatever they play, not good. Uh, similarly, you know, if you have a lot of units that have the same strength stacked on a row, there's another a card called uh, Geralt's Igni. And what that does is it burns the highest highest uh, strength unit on the row. And if it's a tie, obviously it burns them all. So if you have like four sixes, and it only burns them if that row totals 20 more. But if you have four sixes in a row, for example, that is 24 points. You can then pop Igni down if that's the strongest unit um, burn all four of those sixes. And you get a 28-point swing because Igni itself is worth four. Yeah. Um, and the way you counter that, obviously, is you have a stronger unit on the row. So if I had four four sixes but also a seven, if my opponent played Igni, they'd only burn the seven. So it's a much smaller point swing. Um so there are there are kind of some strategies around it, but I, I don't think the large Northern Realm decks are too problematic ultimately. Um, because they because you have more cards, they're generally a little bit less consistent. Mm. Um, so you often have trickier mulligans and you often end up with like a suboptimal hand. Uh the one that, that most people are playing at the moment I I see a lot of is Reveal in Nilfgaard. So that's the one where you you show some of your cards to your opponent and you basically look at some of your opponent's hand. Yeah. Um and in doing that, you buff certain cards or you trigger certain effects. And also the fact like just knowing what your opponent has is incredibly useful because, you know, you've in perfect if you have perfect game knowledge, it's it's much easier to win. Um, but I think I think at the moment, the meta is not too bad. I'm playing a lot of monsters. I've been playing this fog deck that I really enjoy, even though weather just got a big nerf. I've got this fog deck um, that's quite fun to play with using. Thunderbolt potion, which buffs, you know, sets of cards and you make little trios and stuff. I've got a whole video about it, like, uh-huh, we don't okay. need to go into detail.
0: Okay, yeah, like, um, because weather took a hit, like, everything that I enjoyed took hits, so it shows how much of a noob I am, I guess. Like, I enjoyed making weather monster decks. I like the Ice Giant, just make a lot of ice decks, and I like Foglet deck a lot in monsters. And they made more of a push toward consume, I guess, with monsters. And then Shield Maidens were my jam and Skellige, and they got hit. The
1: problem with Shield Maiden, so Shield Maiden is a, a five-strength card. Oh, no, it's a three-strength card. And then yeah, on round yeah. four, two, it goes up to a four-strength, then on round three, it goes up to a five-strength. But basically what you would do is you play this card on on round three, and when it's five-strength, basically what happens is it's a bronze card, so you can throw them in your deck. And it also does two damage, so you'd be like, oh, it's worth seven, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But if it targets an injured unit and doesn't kill it, oh, no, it doesn't matter if it kills it. If it targets an injured unit, then what that will do is pull the other shield maidens from your deck. So effectively, if they have an injured unit on the board, which isn't that hard to do, you would get a 21-point play because there's three fives and then the two damage from each one. So a 21-point play from one bronze card, which is too much of a swing for a bronze card. You shouldn't be able to play one bronze card and get 21 points out of it. Like the way they kind of balance the power, that wasn't meant to happen. Um, so the nerf that they, they did was they basically stopped it from getting stronger each round. So now if you do the play, it is, I believe, 15 points, which is you know a little bit more manageable because a lot of people in the third round are making uh, tempo plays. So you kind of hold off on something that's a really big point play and then you drain all of your opponent's cards. So eventually you know, you go into the final round and neither of you has very many cards, but the cards that you have um, generate a lot of points so that you can basically out outpoint them. That's the kind of strategy usually. And so shield are a little bit of a problem weather was a problem i think weather was like one of the decks lots of new players played when i first started when i started with weather yeah um but the problem with weather wasn't at a new player level it was that it was being used at a high level to do a lot of kind of questionable things and it started to become very prohibitive because like if you didn't if you weren't able to clear the weather basically uh, they people could rack up a lot of points and there was like synergies with with um Skelliger, for example, Skelliger has a card where every time you damaged your opponent, the card would get buffed. So you just throw out Frost because Frost Ooh. does one damage to every unit on the row. And then subsequently, all of those one damages were becoming two two points because you were also buffing this card that you had played. And um, basically, there were just a lot, of, uh, a lot of problems with weather. And I actually think the changes they made to weather are pretty good. Like now weather, uh, basically, it doesn't hit every unit. It hits like fewer. So then it's not as prohibitive. But I don't think, like I said, I think it was a really good deck style for new players because like it was very kind of easy to understand you know i play my points i put i play cards that play weather then i get points on the board and i start to damage my opponents um and the weather effects then you know maybe draw out other cards or buff other cards and that's really great um it was just a, a kind of higher tiers of play where it was becoming kind of silly
0: Huh. okay like i've noticed like um like frost monster is a bit weaker but foglet deck is definitely stronger with how they did fog now since it does like up to five targets, and that's basically kind of like frost, but different. But with the shield maidens, what I've done to to still kind of have that pull is I get Quen, so that they're all five still anyway.
1: Okay, so Quen, yeah, the one that shields them.
0: You're shielding your shield maidens, is what you're really doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So shield shield maiden plus deck. Plus two. Yeah, and I just I like them, and Skeg is just a fun deck. Like apparently, I'm just. Doing the things that were broken because I Monster and Scelio were my jam.
1: Yeah, they were. They were top tier last patch.
0: And there's two more things I want to talk about with Gwent. Like, uh one I just thought of realization is it's one of the things that maybe holding back Gwent in a little bit is there's so many terms and ideas going on, and even with the tutorial, I still there were things that I didn't really understand. Yeah, like I remember doing Scorch to kill. To kill Geralt and didn't work. I'm like, why didn't that work? It's like, oh, it doesn't affect gold. It took a couple tries to realize that and things like that. The difference between strengthening and boosting, weakening and I can't remember the other one. Uh oh, I know the one you mean. Um like there's a lot of little terms. I think it's though. Damaging
1: and weakening, because I think yeah. weakening is the opposite of strengthening oh, yeah. and boosting and damaging are the, the two. So yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think cdpr's tutorial is a bit rubbish i'm gonna put that one out there like the tutorial it teaches you how to play gwent in that yeah. you understand that i need to get more points than my opponent in three rounds in a row beyond that it doesn't really teach you a lot of the nuances about things like card advantage that's really important or um like you say interactivity with gold cards and stuff and the thing is the worst part is that it used to stay on the card you know damage the highest unit not golds but then they realized, and I, I disagree with this decision, but they were like, you know, basically because most cards don't interact with gold, most cards had that uh, excluding golds modifier. So okay. then they felt like it would be less wordy to do it the other way around. So specify if a card does affect golds. But for new players, that's completely stupid because yeah. like, you then have to just know that that's how it's done. There's no, there's nothing that tells you that's really kind of how it's done. Um, so I think that was like kind of problematic of a change. And I agree with you that there's a lot of kind of terms and stuff that you... You need to kind of get to grips with and they have they have kind of made the wording a lot better um and now they have that thing where if you hover over a, a card it should give you little tool tips they kind of explain the the main terminology yeah um a big one you know a lot of new players have is, is uh, summoning versus spawning so if you summon a unit or a card you pull it from your deck whereas if you spawn a card you just like create it from thin air so with summoning if you don't have a card in your deck then it, the effect won't trigger so, for example, with the little frost hound you were talking about, the frost hound, what he does is he summons frost, which means you have to have frost in your deck. So he'll pull yeah. the frost from your deck. But a lot of new players would put that in being like, oh, cool, this makes frost, and then play it and be like, why, why is my frost not appearing, you know? I made that mistake. Yeah, that's a really common one. Um, and, and I agree with you that it is it is difficult for for new players. That's why when I when I kind of started, um, when, the, the reason I kind of got into making content for it was that as a new player, there wasn't a lot out there for me to help me. And I was like, there's clearly a gap in the market here for beginner content. So uh, when I first started and when open beta dropped, for example, I really focused on making beginner deck guides. And in those deck guides, you know, I don't assume that you have a base knowledge of Gwent. I will explain literally everything that I'm doing. And I got a lot of feedback, people saying, you know, this is really helpful. There's so many things that you've kind of clarified in these videos that aren't that clear. But I kind of agree with you that you shouldn't necessarily have to watch an external video in order to understand the game. But at the same time with a card game, there are always going to be like, you know, nuances and and details that you're not going to be able to learn easily through a tutorial. And you don't want like a, you know, a really, really long tutorial because that's off-putting as well. So yeah, I don't don't really know how you fix that.
0: I think they just needed to have an advanced tutorial. Simple, I guess, like, or because they have the challenges right after you do the tutorial you can do. And the challenges, I like the challenges because you learned what these different styles could do. You learned that Skeletil kind of likes Mulligan and they like, uh, I can't remember what it's called, when you hold over for the next turn.
1: They uh, like Resilience. That,
0: yeah, they like resilience. And then monsters really like weather and consume. And then you have all the reveal stuff and Skelliga does some weird stuff with discarding. Yeah,
1: the, the challenges are really good for kind of showing you the different archetypes that exist within the factions. And I think yeah. you're right. They probably could just put an advanced tutorial in and then... You know, have it be optional because that way the people who feel like they already know don't have to do it, but the people who you know feel a little bit lost. And there are definitely things like targeting of gold cards and summoning, uh, summoning units, and and certain kind of nuances of the game that you don't necessarily pick up straight away. Yeah. Um. But then the, the the flip side is that because the game has a lot of these nuances and different kind of things that happen, it gives it more depth. Because you at the same time, you know, you don't want to you don't want a game like um. No Man's Sky, which is you know like <laughs> eight million miles wide and only an inch deep in terms of in terms of the content, like that. That's yeah. the kind of other side of the coin where there's there's no depth to your game, so it gets boring very quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, before saying the last thing about Gwen, uh, by the way, everyone, this is a, uh, an open beta game. You can all play it for free. <laughs> Since we talked about Gwen so much, so you can check it out. It is a bit complicated, but I like that it's a bit complicated. The biggest thing I like, which you don't know because you you didn't play Hearthstone, is the golds like gold, silvers, and bronze? They all they can all make a difference in different ways and strategies, but they're they're not the golds are not legendary cards. Like they're really good cards, but they're not legendaries like in Hearthstone. Where legendary cards in Hearthstone can be really BS, and you can only have four of them in this, and everyone's gonna have four golds because you get a good amount. You get at least four golds when you first start the game with all the decks. And honestly, like. They supply you with a good amount of cards right at the start for Gwent. You can be pretty competent just with the first uh, the first five decks, pretty well, pretty much, and then you can build from there.
1: Yeah, they definitely improved the free to play model uh, when they went into open beta. Actually, originally you started with one gold card in your, and, and everyone else you'd go into like queues, and everyone else would have four, and that was, <laughs> you know, really really restrictive. I remember I did my first game, and uh, uh, this guy who was in the chat was like, you know. Uh, that was also in closed beta when there weren't as many lower level players to yeah. play against so you you go into a game and you get matched against someone who had you know a whole bunch of uh, better golds than you and you had one and it was like you know that didn't feel very fun and I Ooh. think you know like I say CDPR noticed these things so then they made it so everyone you start with basically uh, four gold cards per faction well you, you start with like some neutral one neutral gold cards which go in any deck and then a faction specific yeah. gold um, so you've got those options which is really nice and like you say that you know you can only fit four into a deck so you know it's already limited and the way they balance them is they try to keep them all more or less around the same power swing. They're not; a lot of them aren't too swingy, unless you know, un, unless they're under very certain circumstances. So, like for example, with with Igni, the one we talked about, which burns the highest unit in a row. You know, you're not going to be getting huge amounts of points out of that unless your opponent either has one gigantic unit, in which case it's good that you have a counter for it, yeah. or your opponent has lots of similar strength units, in which case they should know better because they they risk. Uh, Geralt Igni by doing that so like there's kind of situations that hold it back and also only triggers you know if the row totals 40 or more so if they're smart they'll not put all their units on one row because what you can do is obviously spread out your units across rows so that the rows don't add up to 20 so like I could have an 18 point unit and if that's the only unit on the row then you can't burn it with the Igni for example Um, so I agree with you I think like the way that they've kind of balanced their um, their cards is really good I think the one thing they're looking at is um, how Uninteractable gold cards are, uh, and whether that's something that they want to change to make them kind of there to be more kind of interplay with gold cards. But on the flip side, I quite like the fact that they're a bit safer than other cards. Yeah, like there are some cards that interact with gold cards, but not many. And the fact that they're a bit safer, I find, um, is one of the things I like about them. It's one of the things that gives them their strength and makes them stand out. And the fact that you only have four, you know, is quite limited, they're they're already kind of limited in my mind. Yeah, But I, I didn't, I really didn't play Hearthstone. So I'm like one of the few <laughs> card gamers who hasn't like spent ridiculous amount of hours playing Hearthstone. Like I've played a tiny bit um, here and there, you know, like I understand the basic premise. I, I know how you win, you know, I like, I, I understand how it works as a card game. Whereas Gwent's is very different because it doesn't use the mana model. Yeah. Um, which a lot of card games these days use. I think um, the mana model originated in Magic the Gathering, you know, where you get more, Points per turn to spend on doing things, basically. Gwent doesn't have that. Like you can you can play any card
0: on any turn. And you don't really
1: draw much. You don't draw at the end of your turn either. You uh draw at the end of a round.
0: Yeah, and you only draw two and then one.
1: Two and then one. And yet yeah, if you have any cards that that allow you to draw, but all the cards that allow you to draw end up giving points to your opponent. So it's right. like I will give my opponent ten points and draw a card. Um so it's it's designed that, you know, if you want to draw cards which does obviously help you. You're going to have to have some kind of a uh, negative penalty to yourself.
0: There's just one more, there's one more Gwent question I wanted to ask. And yeah, I knew this was going to be a, a bit Gwent heavy just because like we both play Gwent and you, a lot of your focus is Gwent. So if people really want to learn Gwent, Jaggers is the person they go to for her channel, which will be in the description down below her channel. And the last one I ask is just what the hell can ScoiaTel do to be let, not the lowest tier right now? Like what can they do with him? Cause I don't see anyone play Skeletal, and when they do, I'm like, oh, free win.
1: So Skwiltail, I don't know. Like I in 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 ranked, I've been seeing a bit more Skwiltail with this patch. They've made this strategy with spe- I call it special dwarves. Where basically what you do is you b- make a bunch of these resilient units, so the ones that stay on the board at the end of the round. Yeah. And you just buff them like a butt ton, basically. And if your opponent doesn't have very specific counters, it can be very hard to beat because they, they can potentially carry something stupid like 70 points across the next round that you're not going to catch up on. Um, and it does have counters. Obviously, you can burn high-strength cards and that sort of thing. But that strategy has been kind of more and more prevalent. The thing with Tail though, is the mulligan strategy that you talked about, that you have cards that can mulligan, it, it doesn't really feel fleshed out. Like, there's a bunch of kind of bronze cards that do mulligan stuff. But there's not really a lot of silvers and golds. And I think the silvers and golds are actually where Tail falls down. In that if you look at the faction-specific silver and gold cards... There just really aren't very many good ones. like i I did a you know, which legendary should I craft video? and like I, in that, I want to recommend you know you should maybe craft this this legendary card for this faction. but with Squaretel, I've really struggled you know, in what I suggested to people because most of them are pretty like eh like <laughs> you're better off running the neutral code cards than you are the uh, faction specific ones, whereas Factions like Nilfgaard, you know, that's got loads of interesting gold cards. Similarly with monsters, like you're actually playing the faction gold cards, and I think that's part of the reason those factions feel strong. Whereas with Squirtle, they have a lot of interesting bronze cards, but they don't have the silver and gold cards that synergize to make them uh, successful. And I think that's maybe the thing that CD Project Red needs to look at, is the state of their silvers and and golds. Maybe add some, maybe change some. And I know that they're making new cards, like they did showcase some cool new card art in the patch notes right at the end. There was one for a card that looked like a a cockatrice. Um, Mm -hmm. So from, if you played Witcher 3, you'll know about the Shrieker, the Shrieker uh, uh, Witcher contract. So that thing, basically, they've got card art for that. And then one that looked like some kind of like Nilfgaard assassin. So they're definitely, we know that they're working on new cards. Um, And that also means new premiums. And Gwent does have the best premiums out of any card game I've ever played. They're little animated ones.
0: Oh, those, yeah, those are really cool.
1: Yeah, so rather than just having like a gold border, basically when you play the card, the entire art is is animated. It's really awesome. But um, yeah, that's what I would do with Squirtel is I'd look at the gold cards and I'd look at the silver cards and I would tweak those and then see how the faction is performing because they're they're archetypes of like special cards, Mulligan and Resilience. They're all decent archetypes and I think they all have potential to be successful. You just have to find the right balance.
0: For sure. And uh, I always carry Scorch, so that's kind of why because I know they're going to overload. I carry Scorch and Lock. So I know if they do Resilience, well, now it's actually not resilient. so sucks to be that card. Or just Scorch. Or yep. I also carry Doodoo, so I'll just cancel it out by having the same point value. Yep. Like, there's things that they just can't... There's things that just counter Tail a little bit too much, I think.
1: And those are all starter cards as well, the three that you mentioned.
0: Um, yeah.
1: It, it's kind of cute because, like, obviously at a higher level nobody runs Scorch or Doodoo. Because there, <laughs> there's other things you can do to Scorch and do do is never that big of a point swing like at most it's you catching up if that makes sense to something that they have um yeah and, and basically you you typically would run something that reset their point value rather than something that caught, caught you up so there's there's just kind of certain nuances. but but like you're saying there those are all those are all cards that are starter cards so you already have counters to square tell straight away yeah um and it's it, it that those three cards that you mentioned like they like locking um, well, not locking is not a specific card, but there's lots of cards that lock. Those those three things are so locking, burning, or, uh, you know, do so catching up. They are all starter cards, and they all pretty much shut down that strategy. Yeah. So you're kind of set from the get-go. Um, and because those are your starter, like, especially silver and gold cards, um, you're not really running much else at that point, because those are the ones you have to begin with. And you're going to be putting four gold cards and six silvers, so you're going to be running those cards. So you're going to have a counter, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I can I can see like where you're coming from, mm-hmm. and I think that's why maybe new players are put off by playing uh, Squirtle.
0: Potentially, yeah, for that one. Uh, one last thing to note, just because we mentioned it, uh, the special animation versions of every card is special animation, which is awesome. And my favorite ones are the triple cards, like the Shield Maidens. It's just it's a line of the Shield Maidens fighting or. Yeah, like the crones, so it's the crones all around one cauldron, which looks really cool. And those are just really nice touches when they have them combined, but also just alone there's also some pretty nice effects. I think Roach is my favorite, because that's the silliest one.
1: I I love premium Roach. I have her. (laughs) Uh, She's one of the ones I upgraded nice and early.
0: Because
1: I guess apparently in The Witcher she must have bugged out a lot, because like you have her on top of a roof and then she's appearing through the sky. And I thought, my guess was that they were making a, a reference to the Witcher because maybe she gets stuck in all sorts of weird and wonderful places. Yes. But then I've since played the Witcher. I have like a let's play going on my, on my uh, Gwent channel as well. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, this is a good uh, excuse to play the Witcher. And I finally, like, she's not too buggy, but she does have a fantastic premium card. So that's
0: nice. <laughs> well, it has been a while at this point. So they, they get, they're going to get the bugs out of the way eventually. But it's cause ropes can just be anywhere, I suppose. And so now it's just talking about whatever we want to talk about. Is there anything you want to talk about specifically? Um, nothing that I can really think
1: of. Like the, the, I mean, is, is that interesting? How was your Steam Summer Sale?
0: Oh, uh, I wish I wasn't broke for it. I, I got a bunch of like $1, $2 stuff. There's, There's just too many good deals. And it always brings up the debate of how, does this hurt indies or does it help indies? And for some it helps and for some it hurts. Because everyone waits for the summer sale yep. instead of buying at full price.
1: Oh, so you're saying that it's harmful to indies
0: because no one's buying them it, it, at cost. It goes or, both. Or like at full price. Like it goes both ways. Like certain indies, it probably hurts them because people are willing to wait. But other ones, like people only considered them because it was on the summer sale. So it, it's, it's a mixed bag. It always is.
1: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. I I like the summer sale. I always buy games. I didn't to be honest i buy games and i don't play them i like i shouldn't (laughs) be buying games i have so many games that i haven't played in my library i should just be playing those before i buy new ones but yeah on the flip side you know it's always nice to kind of have a look and see if there's anything that you've you know heard of that you wanted to buy like i bought the witcher 2 for example i'm going to finish the witcher 3 first but then i have the witcher 2 so then if i want to go onto that and kind of understand a bit more of, of where the cards come from in gwent like that's an option and that was you know very cheap and that's that Kind of game, I can understand being on sale because it's been out for yonks, and you know, there's not really that much of a demand for it in general. Um, yeah. I know, for example, CDPR have given it away for free in certain promotions as well, so you know, they, they clearly aren't looking to cash in on that. But I can see what you're saying about indies. Uh, what else did I buy? I bought City Skylines, that's a good which one, which I like. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of DLC that I feel like should have been part of the main game, and yeah. you have to pay like. For the DLC and the DLCs are quite highly costed. Um, but I think the the developers of that game have kind of noted that they've kind of done this. So I think they're they're kind of changing their their model because there was a backlash from the community. Hmm. Uh I bought Seven Days to Die, and I've been playing so much of that. This is like a zombie survival uh kind of game, a bit maybe similar to stuff like Rust um or like Minecraft, but not 2D, and the zombies are much better. But basically the zombies get better every uh every day and then on every seventh day there's like a zombie horde that come and like each each wave that the horde gets stronger so like when you first get them they're you know relatively weak and then they maybe learn to climb or they have different abilities so i think eventually you you do lose it's an early access game um but i've been playing with kind of a, a bunch of friends and that's been really fun like it's uh it's got quite a lot of depth to it so far in terms of like what you can build and what you can craft and stuff and, like, you can find useful items, but every item kind of has durability. So, you know, you don't necessarily win the game by finding one really good item because if that wears out, you need to learn different patterns and stuff or, like, different schematics in order to use items. Um, so that's something I've been playing, like, so much of recently. Uh, so if, if you have a bunch of friends, that one, is, that one is definitely something to keep an eye on. I think I think it's a really fun game. I actually heard about it about a year ago. I, I was at Alan and this guy was, like, just playing this game and i was like you know what are you playing and he was basically standing there like crafting thousands of axes and throwing them on the floor because by crafting axes you level up your construction yeah. so he was just and, it, and like he didn't really have much use for them but like, you can scrap them and recycle some of the materials but he was just standing there throwing axes on the floor and i was just like what the hell is this game and now i'm playing this game and i'm just standing there crafting axes and like scrapping <laughs> them and i'm just like i know exactly exactly what he was doing because especially at nighttime when the zombies come out Basically, at nighttime, the zombies can run, whereas during the day, they can only walk. So during oh. the day, they, like, you can get away from them very easily. But during the night, basically, they catch you. And you have stamina, so they'll catch you and kill you. So you're kind of hiding in your house. So you're hiding in your house, just like crafting and scrapping axes just over and over again, so that you can make better, uh, better axes, for example, for gathering materials. Okay. So it's kind of one of those games. And it's like pretty much a massive time sink. <laughs> uh, I've already played like nine hours, and I started playing maybe like two, three days ago. Wow. Um, and this is only playing with friends, basically. I, I definitely would have been willing to play more, but people are like, Oh, I need to leave. And I'm like, oh, you just you're ruining my ruining my game time. Because obviously like you don't wanna you don't wanna ditch your friends. Like I'm not that sort of a person. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, Steam Summer Sale I think was, was good to me.
0: Yeah, I, oh it's good every year. Um some big standouts was uh, Shadow of Order was like four bucks.
1: Yeah, it still is and isn't that it.
0: game. Is it still right now? Oh, sure. maybe it's
1: not. They had a free weekend, so maybe it's gone okay. off sale again. But they had a free weekend, and because they had the free weekend, it was still on sale. But they might have ended that ended that now. Well, it's showing as meat for to me at yeah thirty three krona, so about four bucks at the moment. But the offer still? ends in nine hours, so depending on when <laughs> this this video goes live, it, it might not
0: not oh, be, uh, be uh, available. It'll be two days too late then. Uh, yeah. Like that's it's just a good deal because that's that's a solid game and. Well, ILP'd it. It's, you can play so many hours on it, and the Nemesis system's really fun. I can't wait for the sequel to come out. Another standout... Yeah, that's later this year. Another standout, I know you played at least the first episode, was Life is Strange.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I've finally gotten around to playing Life is Strange. I'm doing it on my on my channel. Uh, just as a Just as a kind of lead up to the DLC. Same thing. The, the, the prequel, basically. So I've been doing that. I've actually played the first two episodes and I the way I did I know you're doing kind of more you know standard let's play episode length yeah uh, with your one whereas I was like you know I'm gonna make five episodes and each episode is I'm gonna play through one episode even though an episode is like two mm. to three hours so they're they're long videos but then I figure you know if people are busy they can pause it and come back whereas this way you know the people who want to see the full episode because it's obviously a story and you know you kind of get into the story yeah people who want to see the full episode can do that I know some of my friends have said you know uh, they've played the game before. So they're basically just listening to the playthrough rather than watching it, because they kind of know what happens. So they just want to see my decision making more so than the story. Um, but I've played the first two episodes and I'm kind of putting them out like not uh, one a week. It's maybe one every two weeks or so, uh, and that'll fit nicely with the with the schedule. And I'm I'm actually really enjoying it. But I have too many theories on what's going to happen, and I feel like I'm one of those people who likes to try and predict my games. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But I feel like I'm right. I don't want to. I'm not going to say what I think because I don't want to <laughs> like taint your your current thought but like i'm sitting there just like okay well i reckon that this is this is how this is gonna go down (laughs) and i'm really intrigued to see if it happens so i'm just like really stressed i'm just like and like people i talk to people and i'm like you know you've you've played the game so you know and you'll be sitting there thinking oh my god i can't believe she's figured this out but you might be thinking oh my god i can't believe how wrong she is and like (laughs) i have no idea so i find that quite stressful but it's it's a good one i like me some some kind of story driven games for sure Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like a big reader. I like to read books. So kind of these more narrative driven games where they tell a story. Um, I, I enjoy as well. I think, I think it's uh, a, a good way of telling stories. And so far I've, I've really enjoyed the kind of ideas uh, involved in life is strange. I'm just intrigued kind of, you know, how they'll do the, the prequel because obviously the idea is with, with, uh, with, with Max that she, right. I guess, yeah, they could follow Chloe's story, but Chloe doesn't have time travel powers.
0: I, I think it's supposed to be about Chloe, isn't it? Not Max. No, but, but either way,
1: there's going to yeah, be yeah, no time travel elements, so yeah, I'm just wondering, what, I'm wondering. Like, what they'll do, whether it'll just be kind of a standard, you know, choices kind of game, um, and what they'll kind of put into that. And obviously they can't have the outcome change.
0: That's the, the problem with prequels, Yeah, because
1: like, you're going back in time rather than forward in time. And forward in time you can do these cool things where your choices, you can import them into the next game. Like they do that, for example, in The Witcher. Uh, they do it, you know, in, in other kind of story, story-driven games where the next episode you import your choices and then go from there. But obviously, if you go back in time, you can't really export your choices. I don't know. It's it, I, I'm intrigued.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm worried about because I'm up to chapter th- – I finished episode three. I'm going to start recording episode four tomorrow. And, oh, three. Oh, my God. I can't wait for you to see that. That's oh. – oh.
1: See, I've, I've just finished two.
0: Two will you go up on the channel on, on
1: Wednesday. Yeah, so – got to the end of
0: two so intense two is amazing uh wow uh what what happens to i I will talk with you about that after the podcast but um two was was, holy crap
1: yeah like people said to me you know uh it gets really good around the end of by the end of episode two and i was like oh okay and then i got to the end of episode two and i was like oh okay i understand why people (laughs) are saying that now you know it's one of one of those kind of things but it it's definitely a an interesting game, and I think it's I can understand like wanting to see the choices that other people made because there's all the kind of morality choices and like shades of grey. You know, do you do you do this? Do you do that? And I think there's also a lot of reminiscent uh, reminiscence of like your own experience at high school and kind yeah. of understanding. You know, bullying and the kind of the kind of things that happen. You know, when you're a teenager, um, and and whether you should you know step in. Like, should you should you step in? You know and, and, and stop someone getting bullied when, you know, then you become a target, you know, is that, is that the right decision? And you can kind of see both sides of the coin. Um, because obviously at the same time, you know, you don't want to make your own life more difficult and like, you know, not knowing the things that other people are going through, you know, you, you can have that realization that, you know, everyone's a person, everyone has their own problems. And, uh, just because you don't know about them doesn't mean that they don't exist.
0: Yeah. Now this does lead to two questions related to Life is Strange just talking about this. One is when the shoe drops, when the time travel powers happen, what was your reaction? Because for me, I was like, this game's all right. And then that happens like, oh, all right, now I'm in.
1: Uh, so, so for me, the funniest thing was I was uh, doing the Let's Play and it has this intro being like, your, your, the decisions that you make will affect the past, the present and the future. And I was like, "Oh yeah." Well, how, how are they going to affect the past unless you can travel in time? <laughs> like it makes, I was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then it happened. I was like, I accidentally totally called this um by by you know saying that with the intro but I, I like yeah. it. I think that uh, it's kind of cool that you can also see the outcome of both choices before you decide on which one that you make. Although yeah. typically I've not been doing that because I feel like I should go with my gut in like my initial choice. I feel like, you know, if I can see both choices that's going to influence my decision. And, yeah. But sometimes I just want to go with my gut instinct. So so I don't know. But I, I like it as a mechanic. I like the little puzzles that they've kind of put in that involve that kind of mechanic. And I, I think time travel is one of those things in games that can be really well done. You know, like Braid, for example, as um, oh. an indie game that has really good time travel mechanics. Oh, wow, I think yeah. if when, when games get it right, they they can get it really right. I think you just have to be a little bit careful with, with time travel, because obviously it can get quite convoluted and confusing.
0: Very. oh Oh, very. And with that, this leads to the other question, because you're talking about it, is when you're doing your choices in these games, is it your interpretation of what you think the character would do or how you would do it if, if you're in that situation?
1: I mean, I, I feel like I kind of put myself in the position of the character anyway. So, like, the character here is me. Like, especially with, with Max, you don't really get that much of a backstory about her. Like, I don't think I make choices that Max would make, for example, because I, I get the impression that she doesn't like stick up for herself and she's a bit of a pushover and she's kind of, you know, a bit of a kind of the kind of nerdy girl who doesn't really get involved. You know, it's kind of like a bystander and, you know, doesn't have much to say for herself, because that kind of is the interaction with a lot of the characters when I talk to them. It's like, oh, you know, you're finally saying something. And I'm like, well, I've been saying loads of things because I'm playing and yeah. I I like I have a big mouth. So uh, I I think I put myself in that position. But ultimately, in, in these sort of games, I, I always end up making choices, you know, based on my morality. So I always end up being freaking good. I'm, like, so <laughs> bad at being evil. Like, in Fable 2, I was, like, 100% good and 100% pure. And I had oh. all these houses. I didn't charge anyone any rent and stuff. And I was, like... Ultimately, I'm, like, I'm like kind of shooting myself in the foot. Like, I'm probably, like, good to a fault in all of these sorts of games. Um, And that's kind of been the case case with my Witcher playthrough as well, where you've obviously got a lot of choices. And generally, generally speaking, I do make the, the kind of, or I try and make the good choice, but I'm kind of starting to realize in a lot of these games it's shades of grey, and with shades of grey choices I find it very stressful, because then I, like...
0: That's, that's Witcher.
1: Yep. So, uh, I think, I think generally I make the choices that I would make, rather than the choices that like necessarily the character would make. So, for example, with Geralt, I think witchers are meant to kind of, they, 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 they like, help for money, and they don't really get involved in the kind of moral side of things. That's what kind of, I had this cutscene, and he was like, oh, witchers don't really do this, and I was like... Well, this Witcher is very <laughs> moral and very opinionated about things, and he's going to do his best to make sure everything works out okay. Oh yeah. So so yeah. I mean, what about you? Are you more uh, in the character or in like, your?
0: It's it's my interpretation of the character. It's what it is, but at the same time, it is your lens of it. So when I see Max, I see her as. Once she got the powers, she started getting galvanized by it. So she starts jumping out a little bit more. In my interpretation of her, yeah, she's like, "Look, I'm a superhero now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna strut a little bit." And because I have time powers, I can back off if I want. Yeah. And so that's my interpretation of her. So I'm having her go out there a little bit, and uh, sometimes I have her do both choices because, like, I think she'd be indecisive. So she wants to see both. But there are times where I'm like, oh. Oh, we have to see the both sides of this because they're gonna be so the one I don't want to do. I know is gonna be hilarious. So let's see yeah. the other side of it, uh, just for the viewer, and then I'll make my choice. Yeah, I can understand that. And like, it's just fun with that with the choices and everything. And yeah, you know, you're talking about Witcher, you get a lot of choices there. It's very gray in Witcher. Oh man.
1: Yeah, I get a lot of comments being like, "Oh, you know, if you'd done the other choice, this would have happened," or like, "This is the choice that I made compared to you." And I'm just like, "And oh, now I see. Now I want to want to know what happens with my choices." Like. My, my yeah. community's really good at not spoiling things, but we definitely kind of talk about the choices and then, you know, about the shades of grey and the different choices that we made and, like, opinions on characters. It's it's uh, it's a There's normally some good kind of discussion. On top of that, they teach me all of the little nuances about the game that you wouldn't know otherwise. Like, for example, if you hold down your attack button whilst you're riding your horse, then you do a slow-motion attack, so you can actually do horse-based combat. I did not know this. I was, like, trying Ooh. to slash it, guys, and I was just like, you know, screw it, I'll get off my horse. Yeah. Um... for example if you use quen on yourself when you're bleeding that stops bleeding there's all these like things that i just wouldn't know about the game and they're like by the way i see that you're having trouble with this situation did you know that you can do this and i'm like i did not know this so now i'm like whenever i play these kind of single player games i feel like i should just let's play them because you get so many little tips that you wouldn't you wouldn't get otherwise um uh for example there's a bit where i was underwater and if you're underwater you can crossbow you can use your crossbow underwater so you can shoot the drowners with your crossbow and then i got this comment from someone being like I never knew that you could crossbow drowners. So he would just like swim through them and just get attacked and be like, oh, this is horrible. Whereas you can just kill them and kind of get on with your, get on with your life. So there's, there's a lot of kind of uh, little things that uh, I think I like about uh, the community and little tips that you could get um, just through comments and stuff without, without getting spoilers, obviously.
0: Yeah. Like uh, a good community. Like if you can get a community like that. That's amazing. Like they'll give you tips and everything. It's weird. Like, when you get bigger, you have, which is the weirdest one, is the commenter who just enjoys tearing you down. Like, there's this, there's this weird commenter that will show up where they just, every video is just them talking about how much you suck, and they just enjoy doing that. Yeah. And it's a weird person. That's just so weird that that exists. Like, they're a fan, apparently. They watch every video. They comment in every video. It's like, but they like insulting you. It's really weird.
1: No, I know what you mean. It's like how you get, like, that every video gets at least that one dislike. And, you know, there's someone who's coming here and being like, I dislike you and I dislike your content, but I'm going to click on your content to click dislike to yeah. make that point. And I'm just like, you know, you you do you, random disliker. <laughs> if that makes you happy, that's
0: fine. It's, it's a weird thing. And um, there there are the ones who do spoils. And, like, for me, I've always been like, yeah, don't spoil people. Like, it's from people, like, we're we're on this journey together. If you do know the stuff, like you can give like hints, helpful hints and stuff, and those are the best ones, and they give helpful hints, or they're like they can't wait to see what choice you make, or we you react into yeah. something later on. I think like those are the fun ones.
1: Yeah, I think most people don't, and I think like the people who do spoil, they typically do it, you know, right as a game is out. You know, like for example, let's say you're you're spoiling, I don't know, Harry Potter or something. Like oh, the people who are spoiling that. Harry Potter were doing it like right as the book came out. So they'd they'd rush through the book and then they'd post the spoilers everywhere while it was popular yeah. and while it was... But like once like something dies down, you get far fewer people posting, you know, spoilers and stuff because the people who are doing it have gotten bored and moved on to something else and everyone else is just there for the content. So that's why like playing something like Life is Strange or something a little bit after the fact, like now you're probably much safer from those kind of things than you would have been if you had played it when it first, like when each episode was coming out.
0: Yeah, like, that's um, that's what I've learned, and you, you're kind of behind the boat on that when you do that, but it's, you get a richer experience because you're not getting spoiled, and your viewers aren't getting spoiled either, because people just love doing that, like, when Star Wars, when Awakening first came out, people were just throwing out that spoil, when it was uh, uh the fifth book of Harry Potter, Who Kills Dumbledore, that one's like, that one got thrown at everyone, just, people really like doing that, I don't know, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get
1: it. yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, that uh, some people are into, but like you know, I think I think you're never going to be able to relate to these people because you're not like them. So really? it's it's not something that you're ever going to really be able to understand. That's kind of my take on it. And I think if you do content creation, there's always going to be the negative people, uh, and and generally, like you know, I'm not bothered with it. I think the only time I was really particularly bothered was when I was making uh, deck guides for this game called Chronicle, which was the RuneScape card game. Um, it's kind of since kind of died but i mean i got basically sent cards by jagex and they were like like you could reveal these cards to the community and then a couple other people i know also got sent some cards so i did my card reveal um and in it we were revealing uh, i think i was revealing some ogre cards and like this person was like oh look an ogre revealing ogre so they were basically calling me an ogre and i was like you know dude whatever but then i was watching uh my friend's card reveal and the same person was in their comments commenting nice things so then I was like, that that was kind of like the thing that got me is like, you know, you always assume that people who are dicks are dicks to everyone. Um, so it was like, no, you're, no, you're only just being a dick to me. So it's like, that was, that was kind of like, oh, you know, like, it's kind of, it's kind of horrible when you, when you see the good in people and then, you know, realize that they're being especially mean to you. Does that <laughs> make sense? Like, you just kind of assume everyone was, and I, I just remember being like, you know, I can see that you can be a decent person. So you're clearly targeting me. And and generally, when that happens, it's usually a gender thing. Um, you know, when you see someone who's who's kind to male gamers but kind of mean to female gamers, like I don't I don't think he was specifically being mean to me, and because it was like an appearance based comment. Hmm. Generally, when you get negative comments as a woman, they're appearance based. You're like, you know, you're fat, you're ugly. You don't really get you're bad at games. Um, I think I think guys get more if you like. I think if people want to insult male YouTubers, they're like you're rubbish at this game. Whereas if they want to insult insult women, they typically go after their appearance. Although the worst one I get, or not the worst one, one I get that is people who mean well, and they're like, you know, (laughs) they're like, you know, they're like, oh, you're surprisingly good at this game for a girl. (laughs) Or like, it's refreshing to see a female YouTuber that isn't like a titty streamer, or like, or, or like, is actually good at their game. And it's like, I realize you're trying to compliment me and be like, you know, you're really good at this game. Congratulations. But, for some reason, like they need to do it in a way that then insults all the women. yeah, and I'm like, this is like this is not the compliment that you think it is. and <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me because I, I understand that they're trying to be nice, yeah, yeah it's just it's just really funny in the kind of misguided way that that they go about it.
0: It's just <laughs> like, oh, it's
1: uh, like that's, all other women are rubbish, but you, you're yeah. great. <laughs> it's just
0: like <laughs> that's, thanks it's it's terrible, terrible, it's terrible. This, i find it quite funny and that, that's actually yeah, it's surprising, funny. It's
1: surprisingly just... common because i think people people do generally generally mean well and the worst part is like i mean i'm sure there are there are like girls that are rubbish at games for sure but there's also guys that are rubbish for games mm-hmm. it just seems to be that like they don't get noticed as much i don't know i don't know what it is like you never see a comment on a guy's profile like you know you're pretty good at this game for a guy like <laughs> it just doesn't happen you know yeah it's just like, oh, you're pretty good at this game. That's all that they say. It's not like you know, all like lots of other male streamers are, are, are rubbish at their game because like lots of people are not very good at games. Like the vast yeah. majority of people are average, you know. That like they are like, oh, most people are average, but you're pretty good. Like that's that's not really an insult. That's a fact. But yeah. they'll be like, oh, well, you know, you're you're pretty good, but like everyone else I've seen play this game is 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 like I don't know. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I just think it's quite
0: quite funny. Wow. Yeah. That's. Like, it makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, that's, that's terrible. But it's funny, but terrible. Like, oh, jeez. Because girl gamers have been around as long as guy gamers have. It's just weird.
1: I think it's one of these things that will become less and less prevalent as gaming becomes more and more mainstream. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think generally the target audience for, for games is male. Like, if I look at my Gwent video target audience, I think I'm only like 90 something percent male. Like, the the, the, the kind of audience for my videos, I think Gwent in general is, is generally, it it seems to be very male biased um so i can kind of understand then that that women as the like generally men are attracted to women in most most cases you know it's more common for people to be straight than gay so then women have that allure that they're also the gender that you're attracted to whereas you know if you're watching a streamer that's like the same that like like like, that's a gender that you're not attracted to you're not ever going to have that thought like oh they're kind of cute or you know, in a alternate universe, if I met someone like that, you know, I'd be into them. You don't really have that thought, so then I think maybe that's why the female gamers get these kind of this weird attention that 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 maybe male gamers don't get. Huh. But this is a topic that's had like millions of this like loads of discussion on it by a whole bunch of people, and and generally I don't feel like I mean I don't feel like it's too bad the the kind of the gender issue. I think I think people sometimes make it out to be more of a problem than it is. Oh, okay. I think it's kind of a problem that if you let it become a problem, and and you know your community is is as good as you curate it to be. So if you curate a very positive community, then then it doesn't happen too much.
0: That's true. Uh, if we want to talk about, we should we could talk about that next time for sure. If you want to talk more about gender stuff with games, yeah, it's a it's a whole can of worms. We'll probably leave it closed for today because one thing will lean to another with that one, and so we will have you around again so we can talk about that if we want. And to end this out, uh, one more topic before we end it out, actually. This is one that has been a curious thought, just bouncing around. See, what free-to-play games you played that gives you, like, a chest? You've played, like, Overwatch and Gwent. Uh, have you played Heroes, Heroes of the Stone Storm? Of
1: now. Yeah, i played a lot of Heroes of the
0: Storm. All right, so, like, Heroes of the Storm, let's see, re-roll. And then, like, Hearthstone, you don't play Hearthstone, but Hearthstone, they made it, you can no longer duplic- get duplicate legendaries now. They've done that. Uh Gwent, you get four cards and you get to choose the fifth one out of three cards. Yeah, of the same rarity. Of oh, the same rarity, which is nice. Uh I've I keep getting golds at that point, which is nice. And uh Overwatch, what they're making it is you're gonna get duplicates less. And like do you think that any of these is the most fair one? Do you think there's a more fairer way that it- the loot box can be, like a loot box can be done, a keg or whatever. Or do you think maybe like, yeah, between that, do you think one of them has like the best one or if there's an even better idea that could work out?
1: I mean, ultimately I think like loot boxes and kegs and card packs is a system designed to make money because you risk getting something that you already have and then getting less value from it than if you could just directly buy everything that you wanted. Like, I, I understand that like, that's why the system exists. But I think in a free to play game, you kind of need a system like that. I mean, Overwatch is is not a free game, but oh yeah, yeah, true. But still, I think I think. Well, actually, I don't know. Overwatch's system, I think, is a bit weird because it's not a free game. But then, you know, you get paid games that have paid skins, and this is just the way that they've chosen to do it. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a difficult one. Like, I I, the fact that you can't get duplicate legendaries in uh, in Hearthstone sounds like a really good idea, but that's obviously you know multiple years in the making. Like the game's been out for yonks. So that obviously wasn't the state when it first came out. I think it's a difficult one. Like, I don't think there's ever going to be a best system. Like, ideally, I would like to be able to pay, you know, like, 60 quid and have all of the cards. But that's never going to exist. Because, you know, they, they, they'd make a lot. Like, like, I've already spent more than 60 quid on Gwent. So, you know, oh, no. there's a reason they have the system that they have. Um, ah, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's... I think you have to find a balance between, obviously, the uh, the community on the community the, the the developers making money and it being a kind of fair pr- price point for the consumer um and i think with like stuff like you know overwatch you can get the you get skins for free you don't have to spend money and typically like i don't buy you know chests and those kind of games so it's for the cosmetics whereas in card games you need the cards to play the game there's I think a big difference yeah. in that situation you have to be a little bit more fair to your consumer and a little bit more competitive because you know there are people who spend money for sure and i, I think with 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 uh, you know gwen and stuff it's entirely possible to go free to play but i found i wanted more variation in my decks and because i do content now you know i make all yeah. these deck videos i kind of have to have a good collection yeah. so then so then i kind of invested well i originally invested because i wanted to play something other than monsters and i was like well if i buy some kegs this will get me some new cards and i can make a new deck but you know i have commenters who play entirely free to play and and that works and i think you know, if I didn't make YouTube co- uh, content, I would have been a free-to-play player. And that would have been fine. But that's because now the game is very young. It's still in, you know, it's an open beta. So the co- collection is not that big that it's not daunting. Whereas I have no interest in playing Hearthstone because the collection is so big that I feel yeah. like, you know, if I ever wanted to get into Hearthstone, i have to invest a butt ton of money just to be able to play it. And that puts me off, so I don't play it. So it's, it's I don't know, it's a difficult one. What do you think?
0: Well, for sure with uh, just... On the last thing is, uh, yeah, with Hearthstone, the more cards there are, the more daunting it gets. That's why they had to do seasons, which is kind of what Magic does as well, where it's the most relevant ones are the most recent and like a year back, so that you only have to worry about these cards specifically if you want to be competitive and ranked and such. And so because I made a bunch of content for for Hearthstone, it was spending like 50 every expansion and getting a bunch of the cards, so I actually would have ready. I could actually dive into it and do stuff. And that I noticed with Gwent is, yeah, playing is free to play. I am like, uh, I, there's not as much variety in my decks because I am playing free to play. So I'll get stuff in kegs. I'm like, Oh, this'll be great when I get a couple more cards. This'll be great when I get a couple more. Like I keep thinking, like I have some ideas, but I don't have what I need to do. Those ideas yet is the thing. And that's by playing free to play. If I really want more variety, i need to put in some money i think
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you're getting like a keg a day or you can get one or two kegs a day depending on how much you play because yeah. of the six crowns bonus and then level up bonuses and just getting a little bit every time and the good games and everything
1: yeah they're, they're pretty generous they've also made it in rank so you don't lose mmr um up to a thousand so then oh, yeah. very new players can get to a thousand mmr just with enough games because like you don't lose any for losing um, and if you do that, you do get rewards. Like the the reason I started playing ranked was because I got a bunch of uh, free kegs, basically, and free ore. And like I ranked up recently, and it gave me like five kegs, for example. And like that's Ooh. you know that's the, the, the rewards for when you rank up are generous. Um, so it, it's kind of worth playing ranked for the rewards alone, even if you're not like you know that fussed about the rank that you achieve. Huh. So nice. they, I think they're I think they're pretty good about it um, about kind of trying to to get you know th- there to be options for the people who want to. Like go free to play that you can definitely get these things by investing time um, and it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of time either.
0: That's nice, like uh I'm only level seven because I've been doing like six crowns a day basically, so it's just a yeah. couple matches so I'm not at ranked yet, but it's good to know that the rewards are pretty nice there on on the topic question though, uh I really like hearthstones because you get the reroll. I mean not I really like hots because you get the reroll yep. but as far as cards go. I really like uh, Gwent, because for, for Hearthstone you just get five cards. Gwent, you get four cards, you get to pick the, third, the fifth one. I like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a good way to build up a collection without getting duplicates. And if you want to go for a specific deck strategy or faction, you know, let's say you're making a Nilfgaard deck and you get a choice. You're, you know, then you can get the legendaries that you need for Nilfgaard first. So, so it helps you kind of build the decks that you want to build. Um, so then as a newer player, like you're saying, you know, I'm missing a few cards, but you know, you should be getting the choices for those cards because the, the final card that you get a choice of will always be a, a rare, an epic or a legendary card. So uh, a blue, a, a purple or a or yellow rarity. Um, and it'll be, you know, one of three. So then it's, it's good in that you can start to get the stuff that you need for the decks that you want to play. And that, that's something that I like.
0: Yeah. And something else I like is the animated cards can be in the kegs as well. Yep, I really like that. Uh, I end up always choosing the animated gold, though. Like,
1: oh, you definitely should. I think I think it's hundred percent worth picking a premium because they're way <laughs> rarer. And I feel like if you if you intend to play the game kind of long term, then that is the that is the kind of direction that you should you should go in.
0: They just look so nice. They just look so
1: oh, nice. They're they're really <laughs> high quality. Like if you even if you're not interested in Gwent, like go and and find some like examples of their premium cards, and you'll kind of you'll start to understand why. We're just like, oh, these premium cards, though.
0: They're so cool. I I really like That's it. a nice touch. Like, I want to go for the triple crone. So I'm like, oh, I got one. To just need to find the other two and just keep getting kegs for those. And if I got the animated one, it'd be so cool to see that. Mm-hmm. But uh, one more thing with this topic, and then we'll head out, is is this... Do you think this is too, too good uh, of a deal? Would be you get the roll... And you get whatever items, like, say, in, like, in hearts. And then you get to pick the ones you want to keep and then re-roll one more time. you think that's too generous?
1: I don't know. I think the whole point of a re-roll is you take a risk. Um, And, like, typically I'll only re-roll if I get, like, five co- uh, four commons, for example, because you can get oh, that yeah. in hearts.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I think, I think the thing with re-rolls is that they put it in there to try and drain the gold out of the game. So that instead and of spending help. your gold on champions, you're spending it on rerolls And uh ultimately i i don't reroll that often cuz i want to buy it. i'd rather have more heroes so i can kind of understand why it exists i i think i don't think i think like being able to pick your own and then reroll would make it fairer but ultimately you know if if you're keeping one or two items from a chest anyway what's the point in rerolling it you're only then rerolling two items and that seems like a waste of money to me so i think i like the reroll feature because it's it kind of you can use it on situations where you were particularly unlucky but overall i think that you're better
0: off not okay all right yeah I, i've had the luck of getting a legendary hero once or twice in there i think i, I i've drained fifth i've drained at least fifteen thousand gold so it became worth
1: yeah i think the bigger problem with with um hots is how you get the loot chests like you oh. only get them when you level up heroes but like yeah. as you level up heroes it gets slower to level up heroes so then you get them less frequently and I feel like the idea behind loot chests is like to you know encourage you to obviously buy loot chests, but also to reward play. But it gets to the point where, like for me, when they added the system, because I played so much, I missed out on a lot of chests that I would have gotten if I you know played naturally through the whole system. Yeah. So for me, that's like where the issue lies. I feel like you know you should maybe be giving out chests every four games rather than maybe every character level because obviously as you level up the character it gets much much lower to level them up to the point where you maybe have to play like 20 plus games as a character whereas in overwatch you get them just by playing you know you get xp every game and then
0: yes it gets lower to
1: level up but then it resets you know every hundred levels so it's not too bad
0: well uh they made it every levels the same now oh okay so it's yeah it's just even it's an even run every time for for overwatch so yeah, yeah that's true Heck, even just make the eight wins uh, thing the chest or something.
1: Yeah. I just think they could they could maybe make it a bit more lucrative to encourage people to be coming back and playing every day. Because that's the thing you want is you want people to come back and play. Yeah. And yes, they have the daily quest system, but Hots is not one of those games I come back to every day. Whereas like Gwent, I'll come back just to get my six wins, you know, mm-hmm. to get the that that keg. And yes, I'm probably more invested in Gwent, but you <laughs> know, I, I have been very invested in Hots in the past. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like something I've never really played, you know. I think my account level is something like two hundred and eighty or something. Like it's Ooh. it's decently leveled, and that's like your cumulative level across all your characters. So yeah, I think I think there is something that they could do, but I I, I kind of like the, the change to loot chests and hots because then at least I'm getting skins. Whereas previously, you know, I wasn't really buying skins, so I didn't have any. Now yeah. you at least get a few, so it kind of works out.
0: Yeah, I like that access to skins, and there's some pretty good ones. I can talk about just how good those skins are, but before digressing, one last thing. Then we head out, and this is just a quick one. That is, how much rage do you get when you give the GG and you don't get a GG in Gwent? Um, it doesn't
1: bother me too much. I think I I basically always give a GG. Yeah. Like ultimately, the way that it works. So we're gonna talk game theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the optimal strategy is that you should always send a GG. And if someone doesn't send you a GG back, you should write down their name, <laughs> so such that if you ever meet them again, you then don't send them a GG. That is, it's called the tit for tat strategy. It's like you know, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But if you like, if you burn me, then you you will face the fury of a thousand raging suns. Uh, so that would be the <laughs> ultimate strategy. But I mean, I can kind of understand like people being salty, and then this is like a little bit of like, yeah, well, you don't get a GG. You know, a little bit of a, a relief from the salt for them. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much. Plus I play so much Gwent that, you know, it, it does happen. And sometimes the GG button is bugged. So maybe they had a bug GG oh, yeah. button and that's why it didn't work out. Uh, the one thing though, is like, if you, if you win and then at the end and you know that you've won and then you then start emoting, like oh, that's the that. only situation where I'm, I, even then I, I usually still give a GG. Uh, or if you play a situation where you're not playing to win. So once I played this game where I I passed and then my opponent just played all of their cards and then passed, and then I was like, well, you know, you can't. But it wasn't a situation where playing all of their cards could win them the second round. Like, there are some strategies where that works out. A Very few strategies, but some. They were just, like, playing all of their cards. And I think they were just, you know, fanning around. And in that situation, I was like, you know, well, you, you, you didn't really even try, so I don't want to give you a GG. But then when I was clicking through the next, you know, to see the screen, if you keep clicking in the same spot, the GG button then moves into that spot. And so then <laughs> I still gave them a GG, and I was like, I'm so mad. Like, uh, you did not deserve that but ultimately like i think that you should send gg's but i can kind of understand situations where people don't and i feel like if you do emote like if if i win and then i emote at the end you know in a kind of rubbing it in kind of way i fully expect not to get a gg um, and sometimes like you know if i make a play that i feel like would have made the other player salty i'll I'll be there like oh is he going to give me a gg and usually they do actually usually people send them i think people are more often like more people send them than don't but you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I completely did this play that completely ruined their day, you know. <laughs> like, if I were them, you know, I would be pretty mad. So then I try and predict the people who won't send them. Oh, wow. um, and just, just for clarity's sake, the GG is something in, in Gwent where at the end of a game you can send a good game to your opponent, and if you do that, they get a small reward, whether it be a little bit of ore, which you can use to buy kegs, or a little bit of scrap that you can use to craft cards, for example. So it's just like a little, you know, handshake kind of situation. That's the way I see it, though, is a GG is a handshake, whereas... You know, from my days of Smite, I know that people don't necessarily see GG as a handshake. Like, if you uh, beat them and you say GG and they don't feel like it was a good game, they'll be like, you know, why GG? You know, it was clearly a rubbish <laughs> game. Our, our Bacchus uh, are a fed-the-ball game. And, our and it's like, well,
0: the every GG lobby. isn't
1: necessary to say this was the best game I've ever played. It's it's like to shake your hand at the end of the, the match and be like, you know, thank you for participating kind of thing. Like, that's the way I see a GG anyway, is like a... You know, thanks for your time kind of thing. It it's like, you know, when, when footballers at the end of the match, like or at the start of the match, they all shake hands or whatever. Like that it's that kind of thing. It's just good sportsmanship. Yeah. But I can understand why people see it the other way, because it, it literally is good game.
0: I just hate it when they don't do it. I just I want I want my ore. I want my scraps. <laughs> I, I gave you ore and scraps. Where's mine? Where's the thing mine? is,
1: like I think part of the problem is it notifies you. So like What you can do is you can be like, well, you know, I won't send a GG unless they send a GG. So you can wait to see the notification. But if both people do that, then neither of you send a GG. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, I may as well send one. And then if they send one back, good. And if they don't send one back, you know, whatever.
0: i always send it unless I somehow absentmindedly forget to hit the button. Eh. But like, if my opponent just doesn't send, I'm like, "What, what, what? Come on. Come on. I gave you a thing. Give me a thing.
1: Ah, uh, see, I found in my YouTube videos as well. If I don't show me pressing the GG button w- yeah. before I cut to like the next game, the comments will be like, "Why didn't you send that person a GG? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you?" So I, I always know I make sure I'm like, "Click GG." There they go. They've seen me do it, yeah. and then we'll load in the next match. Because uh, if I fade it like while I'm editing out the in- like in between bit of like clicking through the menus and stuff, then sometimes people will be like,
0: "Why didn't you? Why didn't you send a GG? Like, why? Why do you hate him?" <laughs> I'm <just Aww>. like- <laughs> Like, I've been in a hurry to get the next match where I will just click skip for getting GG's a thing. I've done that, but... Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Okay, so we have gone quite a bit here, and there's still plenty we could talk about, so it'll have to be for next time. And so, the last thing to just end this whole thing out is, since I got content creators here, is just advice for anyone who wants to do content creation. Just one bit of advice. One bit. Oh, man. You're making it more difficult. I think... <laughs> I'm trying to think
1: what the best there's, like there's all sorts of things like consistency is obviously important. Um and learning how to do your tags is important. I'm kidding,
0: I'm kidding. But I'm bear in mind
1: that your tags, tags are something that YouTube, you know, the YouTube search engine uh, algorithm changes. You know, that's not consistent. They didn't just do it and then were like, we're done. So yeah. when like if you're tagging your videos, you know, make sure that you're reading about tagging your videos every few months to make sure that you're doing it in the best way because obviously the the system kind of changes um but other than that i think you know just just try you know like when you first start you know you you're not going to probably be that good in terms of editing and stuff like that's something that you learn just with practice like i definitely am a far better editor now than i was when i was 15 like i'm just going to put that one out there <laughs> i don't put i don't put loads of fancy effects in my video just because i can because i'm like oh look i've learned how to use this effect now everything is green like, you know, that, that's not happening anymore. Um, the, the one thing I would say is like, you know, invest a little bit in a decent mic. I think the mic is how, you know, you interact with your audience mostly, especially if you're doing gaming stuff. You know, if you have a face cam, that's great. But the mic is how your audience interacts with you. And the best way for me to turn off a stream or a YouTube video is if the mic quality is just really, really bad. To the point where it's it's uncomfortable to listen to. I think that's that's my my tip. I would say is, you know, yeah, and it doesn't have to be a crazy expensive mic. Like you can get like a you know like a maybe twenty dollar thirty dollar headset that's got a uh, all right mic attached. To the point where you don't sound like a robot. But for example, if you're recording through your webcam mic, you know, like webcam mics are just awful, or like just like a you know like a, a crappy kind of wired mic. You know, the ones that you buy really cheap. There's there's definitely. You know, like sometimes my my recording will accidentally revert to my webcam mic, and I'm just like, well, I can't use this. This audio is completely unusable just oh. because of how poor the sound quality is compared to if I use my nice mic. So that would that's what I would say, decent mic, because that's that's basically how people, you know, that's how you interact with people. And like, yes, you know, being able to record in nice quality is important, but like if you have if you're limited in your hardware in terms of your computer, just play games that are fairly simple. You know, you can still build an audience that way. But you can't build an audience if no one can understand what you're saying.
0: <laughs> that is for sure. And so we have been basically having a podcast here with Jaggerus. And uh, we talked a lot about Gwent and a few other topics. And that is what this podcast is what I'm trying for. is just conversation. Just in- interesting talking stuff. There's so many things we still could have talked about we just didn't have time for. But luckily we're going to see Jag again in the future. Don't know when, but in the future.
1: And then if it's no good, you can rewind and shall change my answer. It'll be fine. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. I want to talk about that for a minute after, but um, just to end it out, where can everyone find you? Okay. So if
1: you want to find me, uh, in terms of Twitter, I'm at Jaggerus. Twitch, I'm Jaggerus. My personal YouTube channel is Jaggerus, at uh, youtube.com forward slash Jaggerus. But you can also find me on the killer bits, youtube.com forward slash kilobits. And my
0: address, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's Jagger Street. Yeah, Jagger. Number, number,
1: number one, Jagger Street in, in Jaggerusville. Jaggers. Post Postcode <laughs> <Man>. JA99.
0: <laughs> Eccentric billionaire goals. Just own everything that says your name, and there you go. No, put your name on everything. Yeah, that's what the, I meant. Yeah, it's the same effect. <laughs> there you go. That is basically a podcast. If you had feedback, please give it up. Uh, just how things can be better. I know there's some things that could have been better. Like, I could have explained some of the Gwen stuff as we were going instead of us explaining it later on and just presenting things better but whatever thoughts on how we could do it better let me know for dang sure and all Jagger's information will be down below and we will see her again in the future she's a fun person to talk to so uh, thanks for coming by everyone and uh, hope you had fun listening and watching and uh, see you next time yay